Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the RC Report. I am your host, RC Carlton, and I have a special guest today, Sharon Wright. He is a former NBA player, sixth overall pick in the 1994 draft to the Philadelphia 76ers. He also was a star at Clemson. Sharon Wright, how are you today, sir? Uh, hey, what's going on, man? I'm doing well. Doing, I'm doing well, too. Um, let's get into your background a little bit. I like to, when I talk to the ballers, I like to talk about like how they got into basketball and how they were exposed to it and how they developed their love for the game. So how did you get into basketball? Was it a family thing, or you pick it up on your own? Well, my dad played, um, but, you know, when I, when I was younger, I played baseball a whole lot. And once my strike zone got to, too big, it was <laughs> <Large>. hard. <laughs> it was hard to – I started getting bigger. But I, I started on the rec leagues and um, and noticed how uncoordinated I was. And um, I, I just kind of had um, a bunch of mentors that kind of kept me going in it. And once I, you know, when, once I, my feet caught up to to my quickness and, and I realized I was going to be a taller kid, you know, judging by my dad's height or my brother's height and my mother's height, you know, then I, I knew it was something that I was going to get I was going to eventually get better in. You know, you get all the times when, when you get picked on and stuff for being for being tall and stuff like that. But, you know, once once um I started uh, really zoning in on how uh, how I, was going to, I wanted to play the game, then it, then it became easier. At what age were you just abnormally tall? Because, I mean, you're 6'11". Six, you're six that's what basketball reference has you. Do you dispute 6'11", or are you a little bit taller? <laughs> I know a lot of people have yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 six I'm six ten depending on what shoes. But when you know when okay. you get when you get older, you know you start shrinking. But, yeah, yeah, that does, uh, that no, does I, happen. I, it was it was weird for me because you know um um I went to a neighborhood school in my neighborhood called Matilda Hartley, and I was always that kid that you know got picked on, teased. I had I was called different names all the time. And, you know, I mean, when you look at it now, it's just kids being kids. But, I mean, honestly, you know, it motivated me because I wanted to do something, you know, uh, you know that people would admire and people would not pick on me about. I think that was really hard for me at the time, uh, being, you know, from that type of neighborhood. And then, you know, you're getting ridiculed all the time. But it, all it did was just make me want to get better and to prove people wrong and to prove people that, you know, I'm not just some goofy tall kid. Um so it just made me work hard, you know. When when I when you're younger, um, you know those things stick, you know. So I just had this this kind of desire to do to do better and, and make myself a player. When did you realize you were better at most people than When did you realize you were better at basketball than most people? Um, I, I think it was um, uh, I, I was in ninth grade and and um, I was I was going to play varsity level that year, but then. Coach thought that I wasn't ready, and um, so it just again that was another another thing that just made me just go on a on a, on a terror, you know. I just kind of like went the neighborhood to neighborhood, just just killing, just you know, just going ham on everybody. And I think right then um, we did not win a state championship that year, and you know, and we usually did win states. And that next year I came along, and I think I believe I was a difference the next year. Uh, the, the big, huge difference in our team, and because I was I was a six eight six six eight kid that could come off the bench, I did it so much different 
things for the team. I think that was when I knew, like I, I, I you know, after after me going and, and having something to prove so much, that's when I knew. When what was the recruiting process like for you? Um, now that is something um, I wish my mama was here because <laughs> she would. She, I think my mama enjoyed it more than I did. Uh, <laughs> my family, yeah, it, it it was really good. I, I enjoyed mine. Um, um, being at the bigger universities, you know, being at Duke and and being, you know, at at um, uh, some of the other bigger schools. I just think. For me, you know, I I came along at a time uh, with Jawan, Jalen, Chris, the Fab Five guys, all of us in in '91 guys, Jason, uh, that crew of of NBA guys. We were all together. um, Start even in tenth grade, we were at the Nike ABCD camp, so we all knew each other, like you know, from from tenth grade on. And Jawan and I, we spent a lot of time together talking and. We were roomies together in the summer times, so we always knew exactly where each other wanted to go. Damien Stoudemire and I, uh, we talk about that all the time, and how we, you know, you go to camp and then you 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 uh, you go back home and you think about what well, you know. I just played against uh, Glenn Robinson or James Forrest, who I, I'm really good friends with, and I, I nobody can stop me on this level here. And so, you know, knowing. Uh, everybody on the rec- recruiting circle, you kind of like know who's gonna go where. Like I always felt like um, I knew Damon. I-, I felt like Damon would either go to Oregon or Arizona. I kind of knew C. Webb and Jalen them were gonna play together. We knew that. I knew that. I didn't know Jawan would go there or or Corey Alexander or Junior Burrow. Those guys were gonna be somewhere together. You know, we we knew that. And I was gonna be either Georgia or Georgia Tech or Clemson or Florida State and James Ford the same. So I just think the recruiting process, we kind of already have been doing it since 10th grade. We knew exactly all the coaches. We knew where we were going to go. So what's that like, that AAU sucker? We hear a lot of talk about it now, but this is 1994 and before. You were drafted in 94, so obviously in high school was before that. So what is that mm-hmm. like when you're going to all these camps? And it seems like, and, and you mentioned it a couple times, these guys decided to play together. What What is that like and, what, and how do you – you're competing, but at the same time there's – there's a sense of camaraderie that's developed too. Like you're kind of all in the same boat if you have high level recruits. Yeah, we came, you know, you know, our, we came along when this all started and I was telling somebody this the other day, you know, James Forrest and I, we were the first two big recruits in the state of Georgia that came along before the social media boom. And, and we were the ones right before the AAU started like with the Atlanta Celtics, the great Atlanta Celtics, who I feel like we grew that team. We we were the biggest part of that. Uh, I feel like we, you know, before Josh Josh uh, Smiths and the and the um, Dwight Howards and, you know, those guys, we were the first, uh, um, 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 what's that name? The Boston. High level Boston that's yeah, we were first, but we were, we were also the Boston shootout team uh, from Atlanta okay. that won the first two. And so, you know, uh, we had Marquise Hicks, we had Reginald Manuel, you know, we had Greg Miner. We, you know, we we had we were really strong. I think it's changed so much um, when you think about because see the shoe companies weren't in it at that time. You know, there was no Nike EYBL circuit or Adidas Uprising with my son plays on. It's a lot. It wasn't any of that. And so the shoe companies kind of came in and started, you know, just really directing it, making it 
you know, what it is today. Uh, and in some ways, it's bigger than what your high school career is now. But back before that, you had Southwest Macon. You had DeMatha uh, High School. You had uh, – uh, uh, Jersey City, St. Anthony's. You know, you had yeah. uh, DC, DC Dunbar. You know, those are the prominent teams. Uh, me being a Southwest alumni, I know because uh, we all were the only ones that had Nike deals at the time, all over the country. So you knew that. Um, but it's just changed. I mean, it, it, it changed recruiting. Um, it changed. You know, I think it changed the one and done situation. I, I think it changed the high school situation. It did a lot. How did you decide on Clemson? The funny story is, and I tell people all the time, um, I I was ready to 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 go to Syracuse or Florida State or or, or Tennessee or Duke or one of those. And um, Cliff Ellis, who has just been so instrumental in my life, I gotta tell you, like Cliff Ellis has, and I mean all my coaches, Coach Eugene Harris, Lynn Gordy. Larry Brown, those guys are still in my life. And one thing that happened was, I mean, I, I knew, and I really feel like now I'm the biggest recruit in the history of Clemson basketball. I mean, it, me being a top eight you know, recruit, I, I am still the biggest McDonald's All-American that's ever been there. And that's saying a lot to me. I still hold on to that. But um, I was coming back from a trip. I can't even remember where it was. And Coach Ellis said, hey, you know, won't you take this trip and, and, um, you know, it's going to be really good for you. And, and, and I was reluctant because, you know, you know the bigger name program, quote, unquote. And um, I know I, I had conversations with my high school coach, Clyde Barton, and then he was saying, like, hey, you just got to make a decision that's going, that's going to propel you to bigger and better things and a great education. So I was like, obviously, you know, with me being a high, 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 uh, high recruit, I could have went anywhere. And I mean, I had over 40 or 50. Um, scholarship offers, and then um, um, I, I took Coach Ellis up on that with Eugene Harris, and we just, you know, we we I took that last visit, and Dale Davis and Donnell Bruce they picked me up, and I, I basically never left. You know, it was just Clemson is one of those places that you 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 either love it or you know you don't, but it, it's one of those places that when you when it when it hits you, it hits you. It's a special place. It really is. It is a special place. And, you know, those who've been there will tell you. You'd be hard-pressed to find anything or anybody to say anything bad about it. And that's what happened with me. And I didn't care about the TV stuff with Duke or North Carolina. They all recruited me. I didn't care about any of that. All I cared about was how it fit me. And how about this? I mean, it was, you know, the program was about me from day one. From day one, it was about me, you know, and – it was up to me to put us where we needed to go. Um, I had 10 and 11 scouts on the sideline every every game. You know, I was able to lead the conference in different categories for three years, doing doing my thing. You know, and that's, that propelled me. And it also made me versatile because I wasn't just a center. I could play forward and center, which made me get drafted higher. Do you oh, – I'm sorry. What's the best feeling basketball has ever given you? Um, the best feeling I, w- I would say um, um, we we weren't. Um, I I think it I think it would probably be um, the camaraderie that we had in Toronto. Um, 
you know, Stoudemire, myself, um, Camby, um, McGrady, those guys, that group, um, Walt Williams, you know, Tra- the Wizard. Tracy Yeah, Murray. I remember him. Yeah, the Wizard. You know, we, we were the first team, Oliver Miller, I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing names at you, guys mm-hmm. that I really love. Um, I think I think we were we were that first team for the city of Toronto, and for us to and even looking at what they're doing now just makes me smile. But I think that group uh, we went through a lot together. Uh, it was a new city uh, in terms of NBA, uh, a new city in terms of basketball in some ways. Although, but even though James Naismith was a Canadian, you know, still the game was was relatively new. It was cold all the time. We had to go out in the community uh, in Hamilton and Etobicoke and just Scarborough. We had to be out there promoting the game and making it, you know, relevant. Um, and I just, I just, I just love the fact that we did that and having a GM like Isaiah Thomas and who cared. And it was just, I think that's my, 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 my biggest uh, good memory. Although I had some in Philly, in high school, and especially Clemson and college. I mean, you know, um, also winning the gold medal um, with my bros, Mike Finley, um, Damon Stoudemire, Richard Scott, Carlos Rogers, uh, um, you know, that group, uh, Donna Williams, that group for the World University Games team with gold medal, and we had practiced really well. We were, and being in Colorado Springs, I think that for me, you know, was good. I mean, you have some guys that say, okay, I was a 15-year All-Star. Well, I wasn't. So I look at the small things and, yeah. and like What's my mom would say, I like? need to what, what kind of person is Isaiah Thomas? Oh, Zeke was great. He was great. He um, he, he was instrument, instrumental in getting me there because uh, I had told Damon, and Damon and I are still best of friends. And Damon and I, I was talking after my second year in Philly, and he was saying, okay, I, he was like, you want to come here? I was like, of course, I want to play with him. I mean, we're you know, we're, we're, we've always been competitors, competitors and stuff like that. And Isaiah made it happen, man. He always – Isaiah was great. And I had the car accident, and Isaiah was the first person that called me. I woke up in the hospital. He was there. So I, I, always, I always have a special place with Isaiah. What's the worst feeling the game has ever given you? I think the worst uh, time um, within the game, I would say, not just, like, personal, but – uh, within the game, I think, you know, um, not being able to play the way I wanted to play. You know, I I I, I had a specific skill set and I think it and I think I, I didn't put it put forth put it forth all the time. You know, when you Is it before the injury even, up, even before the injury? Yeah. Oh no, okay. after the injury. After the injury, okay. After the injury, it, it, yeah, yeah, I know. And and it was just hard after the injury to do the things that I knew I could do. Um, it's really hard when you, you can be a surgeon, but you don't have the right, the right scalpel. You know what I mean? You, you can, you can't, you know, it's almost like playing soccer at one foot. And, and it's, it was hard. And it was hard going into the league and, and those nights when, you know, you're playing against those big, big guys and you can't do the things that you have been doing. Uh, that, that I think that's the most frustrating time for me. Um, but I mean, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Whatever happens, happens. 
what's the NBA lifestyle like? And was it shocking to you? Was it a big adjustment to lifestyle? Yes, it was. It was, um, uh, but not not in the ways that most people think. And I think uh, I was I was actually schooled on things. And when I, and I tell people all the time, my Sixer teams, we were really older teams. Clarence Witherspoon, Jeff Malone, Jeff Gray, or Dana Barrows. I mean, Scott Williams was oh man, Scott Williams. If I didn't have Scott Williams, I would have did so much crazy stuff. But Scott kept me grounded. You know, he was. He was a guy that, you know, lived across the street from me. We ate together. We went, we drove to work together. I was I was on the road with these guys, and I found out what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. So I think it's it's different, you know, it, it was, it, but it was a good experience for me because um, without those guys, you know, without those guys, I, I would have been one of those guys in the headlines. <laughs> I would have been one of those guys, but I was fortunate to have really good guys. And we we didn't win a lot of games. Uh, you know, Vernon Maxwell was another one. Um, I, we didn't win a lot of games, but I, I stuck to Scott Williams, Clarence Weatherspoon, you know, Sean Bradley even, uh, guys that were really had done it. And although we weren't winning, but they molded me and they made sure, like, I spent money well. Uh, we went to the nice restaurants that some of those guys went to 10 years before. And they, you know, we we didn't go out every night or, or you know, stuff like that. You know, I stayed away from the pitfalls early. What do you think your career or your ceiling would have been like without the injury? For those that uh, don't know, you had a car accident that hampered your NBA career at least. But what do you think your ceiling would have been? Because you were second team all rookie, promising prospect, six overall. Um. That is something that my my uh, my son and I we talk about all the time, and especially with the lack of bigs that we see now, or lack of <laughs> true bigs. Um, yeah. I I felt like you know um, I I I I, I kind of liken myself to to um, to the cousins kid because I think I had that type of game, the quick feet, um, years before the injury, the car accident, it just took so much of my of my strength and my flexibility. It took a lot out of me. But I think I at least would have been a four, five, or six, or seven-time uh, all-star. I think I had that type of ability, um, and I had that type of meanness and tough, toughness with me. And I was a guy that had a five – I had five tools on the block. I can give you five moves. I can give you counters. Uh, offensively, defensively, I blocked a lot of shots, but that's evidenced by me, you know, leading the nation in blocks in college and ACC two or three years too. So I was defensively inclined too, um, but I believe I would have. I believe um, I would have. I would have helped somebody um, win a championship at some point. Uh, you always feel like that, um, and I, I knew the knowledge. Scott always talked to me about that. I mean, he won three championships with the Bulls. Um, you know, I always talked about that type of thing. Um, Vernon won two with the with the Rockets, so I always wanted that. And I knew I fit in on some level. It's just that, you know, when that happened, then you know I came back actually after that in the NBA, and it just wasn't the same. So, you know, I knew that you know it was the clock was ticking on me. So, you know, it was only a matter of time. When did you realize that you just couldn't return back to the same form? that you were before the accident? 
was there a moment or it was just like the overall encompassing thing where you just realized that you didn't have it anymore? Yeah, it or was, you didn't have it to yeah, the level. It was that you overall. Used to have it? Yeah, it was overall. And one day, um, one game we were playing. Um, we were in the garden. We were in Madison Square Garden, and God rest his rest in peace, rest his soul. Anthony Mason and I actually. What's crazy is Anthony Mason uh, had an injury almost like mine, except mine was except mine was just more brutal, and I broke my arm in more spots than he did. He only just had a regular break, but he hit me one game, um, and I, I was going to work. I was going to town on Patrick Ewing, and I had scored three or four or five times in a row, and then he hit me, and I felt the the metal in my arm, and it just. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, and that it didn't really hurt, but I could feel that it got it was loosening. The screws were loosening. I got a lot of screws in my arm, so that that let me know. Uh, number one, I got to have another surgery, and then number two, it's time for me to just sit for a while and make this right. And it just never really got right. Do you? What do you think? The game has definitely changed. Some gosh, when I grew up watching it, and when you were playing, and you were a true big. What do you think of this revolution, this change, these stretch forward? My God, when I when I see Soja Baca shooting threes, people like that, it drives me nuts. And the lack of post game and how much the game. What do you think of all the game, the changes in the game and where it's going? If I can tell you this, if I had hair to pull out, I would pull it out. Watch, <laughs> I cannot stand it. It's just. You know, Sergi Baca, these guys, whoever, not saying him, I'm just saying. I think it is revolutionary, though, with Kevin, the way Kevin Durant came along, and he's 6'9", 6'10", shooting the three ball the way he yeah. does. I think that revolutionized the game, and I'm not going to step on that. But it, it is hard to watch. You know, it is hard. And that's why we love Tim Duncan so much, because we know, you know, and that's why I love Boogie Cousins, because they those guys can do it. He even shoots out there, but he does have a post game. Um, uh, you know, Anthony Davis is one that's kind of revolutionized it. But we don't see a lot of bigs, man, true bigs like myself, guys that went right to the block. I love Rick Smith, Patrick. You know, those are the guys I played against. Imagine the era that I played in with a with Akeem, with David, um, with Rick Smith, with, you know, those type of – I mean, those guys. We you, you had to have a big with Shaquille. I mean, oh, my God. So – when you think about it, it just really kind of devastates you because there there aren't any true bigs. And then with Dwight Howard really not being a, a true big, you know what I mean? So I don't want to say anything bad about him, but, I mean, there just isn't any. <laughs> there just, yeah, it, it, just it changed any, you know? so much. What do you think made people go away from it? That, and it's mainly the bigs, the back-to-the-basket game. Just I just noticed this trend before even the stretch four. Just, everybody just wants to kind of – I don't know if it started with Kevin Garnett, but I just noticed, like, the bigs just started straying further and further away from the basket. Yeah, I, I, I think it was. It's th- not with Garnett, because I think Garnett had posts, but he was just a hybrid player. He, he was the first hybrid player. He's freakish anyway, yeah. Yeah, but Kevin Kevin Durant is the first one that stretched the floor the, floor the way, well, he and Dirk, they stretched the floor, and Dirk came out to me. But they stretch the floor in a way where, I mean, it's European. You know, I've spent a long time in Europe. I've, I've spent seven years in Europe. I, I saw that, and I saw it coming. And when it came, it hit big. Um, but, I mean, it is the maturation of the game, so I don't feel like it's bad. You know, that was just our era, you know. And, and 
but but time tells you that this what that besides the the uh the warriors you got to have a big to win besides of what, what the warriors are doing and that will end too as, as soon as somebody comes up with a scheme that's going to stop that and they're going to go back to 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 posting up you know what is the difference in competition level? Because you spent, like you said, you spent seven years in Europe. What's the difference in competition level between European basketball and the NBA? Um, well, let me start with this competition from today's NBA and and, and before. Uh, players are softer. I'm sorry. I mean, you know, <laughs> there's no way for me that Steph Curry would be the way he is, and, and I, he's a phenomenal player. But we play. So what would he be? Give me game. a compare. What so, would he be back when you played? Like what? Give me a comparison. Or what do you think he would be overall? He, he he would be solid. He would be what Dale Curry is right now. What Dale Curry was. He would not be, you know, shooting the ball at the hash mark and 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 see. First of all, he get hurt most nights because like I know guys and I play against guys that would have put him on his ass like quickly, like every night. He could not get to the cup. So he would have to shoot jumper after jumper. Therefore, he'd be Steve Kerr, and that's why Steve and Steve Kerr knows that. You know, from my from my example, I just and and nothing against these guys. They're playing great. I love. They're exciting. I'm just saying the guys that I played against. You know, it, you know, and then then first of all, you 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 couldn't zone either back then. So you know, you could ride a guy from 94 feet. So you can zone. I mean, now you can't touch guys. You can't touch. You can't touch LeBron. You can't touch Steph. You can't touch these guys. You know what I mean? And that's the difference between, like you say, Michael and those bull teams with, with those guys. And, and there is no comparison to me. It's, it's not even close. Um, these guys now, I mean, the league, they're, all they're doing is what the league lets them do. I mean, the league wants, you got to, it's, it's entertainment. You know, you know, sit down. And I urge people, if you want to know why we're saying this, Go look at the Knicks versus the Bulls. Go look. Go get the, look at the Knicks and Pistons and the Celtics and Pistons and, and those teams, the Bad Boys. Go look at that and come back and tell me whether you be able to play. Would the Warriors be able to play that style? Man, please. It would be blood <laughs> out there. It would be blood, and I don't mean in a bad way. Don't I mean people? It's just an opinion. But again, I have, this yeah, opinion, I have this one all the time. Yeah, it's just different. You know, sign of the times. They're doing it the way they do it now. They they stretch the game all over the world, and it's a, it's big money and big business the way they doing it, and that's fine. Do you that's think that's necessarily that. good it's, basketball though? Like in the nineties, and the Pistons are definitely the eighties. You can't question the eighties. But then the nineties, when the Knicks start doing, you still had the Pistons fading, and it was so physical, and scoring was down. Was it good basketball? I know it was very physical, I but think was it, it was. good basketball? Let me let me tell you why. It contrasted because it was a good contrast because. On the East Coast, we were, you know, the, the 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 Pacers were really good. Orlando Magic with Penny and Shaq, we were all good. The Bulls were elite. But on the West Coast, the Lakers were still good with Magic. They were still good with Nick Van Exel and, and all that. And, and, and the Blazers were always good. So they, they ripped and ran. And San Antonio has been good forever. So it was a good contrast all over the league. Now what you're seeing is – one team, one or two teams that just rip and run and throw the ball up, and and that's these kids are learning that, which maybe that's the way it should be learned. I mean, you see fundamentals are down. There are no bigs at all. Uh, I mean, it's just a circus, man. It looks like Ringling Brothers and 
Barnum and Bailey, man. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> now, uh, we didn't get to the European because you got up on your uh, you got on your rant, your old man rant. Uh, give me the contrast between European ball, the style, and the uh, the talent level of European versus yeah, NBA. Yeah, I, I I think it's I think it's uh, they're not on par, but they are fundamentally sound. And I think in Europe, what you see is a lot of basketball schools. Um, I have one here in Florence, but. But do you see basketball schools all over the landscape of the big Ljubljana's, the the Croatia's, the the um, you know the, the 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 bigger basketball cities in, in Spain and whatnot? You see basketball schools, and all they do, all those kids do all every day is basic fundamental stuff. And once they get to the club team, um, you see them being able to cut. You see them being able to pivot. You see them being able to face up better. You see them be able to shoot free throws, which we still don't do in the States. Uh, you see them being able to shoot the ball at stretch players. You see them being able to ball handle better than everybody. You know, does that transcend over to USA sometimes? Most times, yes, but sometimes no. But at least you're skilled. You know, I hate kids that are not skilled. I can't stand that. Uh, you want to be, and that's the difference, I would say, um, you know, the, the, you know, that's the difference in, in, in both uh, both places. You have a son that's a pretty uh, high recruit. Tell me about him. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's as much talented than I was, <laughs> but he works hard and he's uh, he's one of the top players in the country uh, for his 2018. I'm proud of him. Um, he, he's um, a very good student and. Uh, one of the things that uh, that trumps him over me is he's versatile. Plays the point guard. He's about six five now. Uh, can do multiple multiple things. He can switch over to the two. He can play. He can post up at the three. He can rebound like a four. Uh, uh, he ball handles like a one. So I think, and that, that goes to show you too. I mean, that's he grew up all over the place. You know, he's been everywhere. So he understands like you know this is a global game. I got to work myself. Uh, one of the things I'm most proud of with him and his sister um, and my little ones too. I have two little ones as well. I'm proud of all of them. Uh, my daughter plays at Auburn now and I'm proud of them okay. because like they, they've been doing this their whole life, you know, on a higher level and we work. Um, I make sure they work hard. I think I'm a real skilled guy. And so I, I make sure they do that, but he is, um, he is, um, he's, he's going to be a good one. All right. Sharon, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. I think this is a very informative and uh, taught people, told people your story and told people a little bit about behind the scenes in the NBA. Man, I'd love to come to, come on anytime. Let me know. And and um, real, real, real passionate about the game. I appreciate it. All right, no problem. That was Sharon Wright, uh, formerly of the Philadelphia 76ers, Toronto Raptors, and Clemson Tigers. Again, you can find all of our content at com. Go to the Amazon link to support the page and the podcast. For R.C. Carlton, this is the R.C. Report, signing off.